I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. I'm beginning to hear voices and there's no one around. While I'm all used up and the fields have turned brown, I went to church on Sunday and she passed by. My love for her is taking such a long time to die. I'm waist deep, waist deep in the mist. It's almost like, almost like I don't exist. I'm 20 miles out of town in cold irons bound. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly. And joining me to talk about Cold Irons Bound from 1997's Time Out of Mind is returning guest and fellow Bobcat and my pal, Henry J. Bernstein. Hi, Henry. Hey, Rob. I dressed up. I'm wearing my Lookout Subterranean Homesick Blues <laughs> Bob Dylan shirt. Uh, it's great to be here. I love talking Dylan, talking comics with you, talking Superman the movie, whatever it is. It is every time I'm with you, I feel like I'm the luckiest podcaster on earth. I, you know, I wish, I wish Shag would feel that way sometimes. It should rub <laughs> off on it. It doesn't seem to rub off on it, but, but I appreciate you saying that. Um, so yeah, we're, you, like me, you have a diverse interests. We could talk about Superman. We could talk about Bob Dylan. We could talk about all sorts of things. Uh, so we're again, you, this is your what third appearance on Pod Dylan? Yeah. Yeah. I you, believe you, so. I think yeah. we did, uh, we did Shelter from the Storm and yeah. Dylan Live. That's right. That's right. We did our Dylan Live show. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, that's gonna that's gonna come. I, to, by the way, I listen to that every now and then. I'll go back and listen. Oh, I'll re-listen okay. to that just because I enjoy hearing us talk about it. Not that I need to hear myself talk, but it's just it's a real Sunset I, Boulevard kind of thing, Henry. <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> how self-referential can mm-hmm. we get? <laughs> yeah, but it's great to be here. Thank you, and I love talking Dylan, and haven't had a chance to talk modern dylan uh which is now this album is already you know almost 30 years old but (laughs) but um still that's sort of what it's kind of like my favorite dylan isn't it amazing to think i remember i i bought time out of mind when it came out i went to the record store the day it came out and it felt like ah this is a masterpiece this is probably it right this is it he's gonna he's not gonna do much more after this oh i don't know 24 years later (laughs) like you know 24 years later and maybe his greatest album like we're saying that again seven albums later i mean it's just like what this guy just does not stop so so yeah we're here to talk about cold irons bound uh as i said it's from 1987's time out of mind and so henry this is one of the ones that you wanted to talk about you said you were in a bluesy mood so uh so let's let's talk a little bit about time out of mind first uh, because right. again, you, we, uh, the previous episode, we talked about blood on the tracks and right. many people said time out of mind was sort of the best Dylan record since blood on the tracks. That was yeah. an often uh, phrase you heard. So what do you think about time? And what did you think about it at the time? And how do you feel like it holds up now? Like, you know, again, almost a quarter century later. I got so much to say it. I, I'm going to try. I'm actually, I'm not kidding. I'm going to try not to get too emotional talking about, uh, talking about this. Time Out of Mind is, like you said, a masterpiece. And yeah, probably a top three favorite album for me, along with Shelter from the Storm and maybe Bringing It All Back Home. But I I, I love this album so much. When I got it in 1997, I was in high school. I was listening to other things at the time. I wasn't into Dylan. But I was into buying CDs of cool music. 
and this was sort of considered a comeback album in a way. Absolutely. I mean, Dylan, yes. in, in, talking, I mean, we're talking commercially, right? So like, yes. 89 yes commercially yes 89 oh mercy is is amazing but i hadn't heard of oh mercy you know by that point and remember he he almost died this was supposed to be his last and he wrote about almost dying you just poured that into this and so i remember being at best buy or wherever i bought cds and like i was buying like new metallica album new dave matthews album new um, I don't know, other than other alternative 90s stuff, because I was in high school. I was like, oh, Bob Dylan, that I know that guy. That's the everybody must get stoned. <laughs> um, like a Rolling Stone. Uh, you know, what's another big hit? I don't know. Hurricane. I knew Lady that guy. Lay. Yeah, I knew that guy. Yeah. So I bought his album. And so I listened to it, but it wasn't on my on my cycle, my regular rotation. Years later, obviously, when I went on my huge Dylan kick as a twenty, a nineteen, twenty-year-old, actually, so not years later, a couple of years later, <laughs> um, when I like fell deep into Dylan in college, as many people do, I couldn't get enough of this album, and it 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 haunts me, and it's supposed to haunt you. It, Dan, the Daniel Lenoir style, I think, led to the Jack Frost, Bob Dylan producer style. That this is not a part of the trilogy, I think, of Love and Theft. And, you know, some people consider this a tri- trilogy with Love and Theft and Modern Times. I think this is actually its own thing. I think this yes. is actually I, closer yeah. to, oh, to Oh Mercy. But every single song, and I say this, I know I say this about every Dylan album, Rob, so I know I'm a hyperbolic, but every single song is perfect for what it is it's like how have we never heard dirt road blues in concert it's so perfect to play (laughs) live it's a blues song or you know these just every single song and this one was one cold irons bound was one of those ones that like really got into my bloodstream and kind of haunted me from the inside out okay interesting i mean it i love um i i yeah i think time out of mind is is a great album uh, it's certainly the its whole sound is certainly very much Daniel Lenoir. He loves those sort of audio soundscapes, and this is one of the songs that that starts with that because it the, it starts with that that you know that sound, um, and it's it's you know it's it's got this ambient sound before any of the mu- music uh, actually kicks in, and that's a very Lenoir kind of thing. And it's funny, I love Time Out of Mind, and I love Oh Mercy. I love what Lenoir does with Dylan. At the same time, I don't. I, like I don't want to hear this approach at the other on the other records. Right. As much as I love it, it's like no, I like Bob just kind of stripped down. Right. That said, um, what I love about this song, I mean, and again, I love that record. This isn't my favorite song of the record, but it's one of my favorites, partly because the beat is so fantastic. Um, just that initial bum bum, you know, sound to it, and it, you know, it sounds like what the title tells you. It sounds this song is sort of the oral equivalent of chains clanking of metal smashing metal and reminds me you know a little bit of kind of the stuff tom waits was doing in the 90s that kind of you know where he was literally making sounds like banging mufflers with wrenches and stuff i mean that kind of metal machine music to borrow a phrase from from lou reed but it would remind me of that kind of stuff like a bone machine that, that tom waits was doing around this time and it just has that sound to it and the the soundscape that that they create here uh just presents this dark gray world it's kind of like <laughs> to me it's like this song sounds like what like a Zack snyder film looks like 
you know it was just dark and uh. gray and ominous and everything Zack is Snyder wishes everything is brown i'm not saying they're equal i'm just saying everything is brown yeah. and gray and sepia tones sepia tones yeah everything is just miserable and it just has that you know, bang, gunk, gunk, gunk. Right. and one of the things I was uh, uh, surprised to learn when I was researching this is that this song was basically started from the drummer by D- yeah, David Kemper. Kemper. David yeah. Kemper, he gave this interview yeah. with Uncut Magazine, where apparently he came in to the the um, rehearsals, um, rehearsals, but the recording a day early and just started bopping around, and he'd heard some beat on some other record, and he decided to replicate and a Cuban it. Uh, Cuban beat. Okay, right, yeah. A disco record. It was a, a disco di- record. Disco record, of all things. And he decided, he said, I decided to play it upside down. I don't know what the hell that means. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know anything about music, so I don't know how, what, what, what he's referring to. But apparently he starts playing this ka-chung-chung kind of thing, and Bob shows up, and Bob is like, starts talking to him, and Kemper stops. Because, of course, you know, Bob Dylan's talking to you. You stop what you're doing. And Bob is like, no, 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 don't, don't stop. Do that. Keep doing that. And he keeps, and Bob's like, oh, wait a minute. I have words for this. And he had these words, I guess, that he didn't have a tune for. And the minute he heard that, he put it together with this drum beat. And out of that complete random series of events, they get this song. It's just amazing. It's amazing. And you can find this on Wikipedia. Kemper says, and he wrote for maybe 10 minutes. And then he said, well, you remember that? And I said, yeah, I got it. And then he said, all right, everybody, come on in. I want to put this down. Like, is that just the coolest Bob Dylan story you've ever heard? Amazing. I'm obsessed with the Bob Dylan never-ending band. Like, I want, I would love to spend just an hour with Tony Garnier and just hear everything about that. And the fact that Kempner Kemper told that story is also incredible because they've been pretty tight lipped for the past 30 years. The never ending tour, every version does not get out. Like there aren't any, um, Stu Kimball interviews really about, about Bob or, or things like that. Um, so this is an incredible story that Bob just sat down because the way I feel the, the way, um, this album feels like both from the, the story, but the, like you said, the, 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 the darkness, the murkiness of it, it feels like he almost died. And so he wrote a bunch of great songs. It doesn't occur to me that there's that the way he did that was through some cool musical jamming and, you know, messing around in the studio and just listening to his drummer. I I mean, it's so Bob Dylan to have a great story for what is this track number Eight. This is eight. Right? Yeah. Follows right? not dark yet. Yeah. Right. Which, you know, is iconic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it, it's, uh, the, there was a, there was a description of it in, in one of like the, um, in one of the reviews as biting, ricocheting guitar licks, rockabilly drums, distorted organ, and a voice floating in a blimp of his own echo. Oliver Traeger said that. <laughs> like, that's a great description of this song. And a lot of um, songs on time and a mind have this feeling, but for, but cold iron, each of them stand out, but cold irons bound. It feels cold while you're listening to it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can feel the way and the way is, you know, part of that is how Bob is describing what's happening, but um, 
uh, yeah, it's 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 chilling. Yeah, it really is. So, so the good song continues on uh, after the initial uh, refrain. It says the walls of pride are high and wide. I can't see over to the other side. It's such a sad thing to see beauty decay. It's sadder still to feel your heart torn away. One look at you and I'm out of control. Like the universe has swallowed me whole. I'm 20 miles out of town in cold irons bound. So like it's typical with Dylan songs, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of, and it doesn't all hang together exactly. And of course it's not really supposed to. I mean, you've got the refrain of 20 miles out of town in cold irons bound. That to me immediately suggests a prisoner, uh, you know, and an old timey prisoner, like a chain gang prisoner. Uh, like something you would see in I Was a Fugitive from a Chain Gang or Wild Boys of the Road. I mean, those are the kinds of movies we know Bob loves, those kinds of old-timey right. Hollywood things. But that, I mean, aside from all the stuff that we're going to talk about where he's in church on Sunday and all these other things, essentially, though, to me, it's like this is a refrain of a guy on a chain gang, and you have to wonder, well, did he did he visit some violence on the subject of the song, or is he in change for something else that he has done but to me it's it keeps going back to the idea that this guy is ruminating about his miserable existence and of course he's probably out like cool hand looking it you know on a chain gang and it sounds absolutely and again the the beat of it sounds like guys with pickaxes you know hitting the road and breaking up rocks or something or like that opening scene of oh brother or earth thou or something completely yeah but you know and at the same time you know, when you think of those chain gang things in film, you know, it feels like it's always very hot and mm-hmm. sweaty. But this feels like someone trudging through bad, win- like a really tough winter <laughs> with yeah. those chains, like mm-hmm. dragging something like, why is this person 20 miles out of town? What does cold irons bound actually mean? It's like this phrase, Dylan invented another phrase that could mean so many things. What bound for what? Are are you is there a town called Cold Irons? Is I mean <laughs> what what is happening right now when you're 20 miles out of town in Cold Irons Bound? What what do you think it means? I think it means that in bound in the sense of tied up. And so okay. he's literally got cuffs on. And the irons and, feel cold? Yeah, that's, okay. that's how I took it. Now, of course, you said, you said bound could mean a direction, but yeah. I always took it as that he is literally, <sighs> like, chained up. Isn't that the magic of Bob Dylan? Because <laughs> like, you can see if you when you spend enough time listening to Dylan, which is pretty much everyone that comes on this show – you see the thing we've talked about this before in the in our in shelter from the storm about what we what sort of movie is playing in our head when we yeah. see um um blood on the tracks here it's the same thing so in my mind i'm i always thought bound was heading towards something bound for glory you know mm-hmm. that kind of, you know mm, yeah dylan's connection to kerouac and every you know like that's sort of how how i how i pictured it but maybe but there another truth is exactly what you said bound being and you're probably right i, I you know i don't there know is no just, right. there is naive, no right maybe i'm just naive right but um, if that's what it is to you then it, that's what it is i think because it Studio. felt like because he's 20 miles out of town so it feels to me it feels like he's heading for something and something is preventing them and I, and preventing him from getting to where he needs to get and maybe it's the chains and maybe it's the 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 distance and maybe and it's all these oppressive things within this song and i and i'm gonna save obviously what you know is my favorite line for when you get there but 
Um, he continues on with the song. He says, there's too many people, too many to recall. I thought some of them were friends of mine. I was wrong about them all. Well, the road is rocky and the hillside's mud. Up over my head, nothing but clouds of blood, which is... The hillside is mud. Mud. I love and, that. And is again, that just me, the juiciest Bob Dylan oh, right yeah. there? I mean, but to me, that's the chain gang thing. The road is rocky yeah. and the hillside's mud. It's, yeah. it's a bunch of guys working, doing this purposeless task while a bunch of dirty screws with their shotguns stand behind them and, like, poke them in the back. Work harder, Bob. You know, poking right. them and stuff like that. But clouds of... Clouds of blood. What an I image. Mean, How had he never written those words together before? Yeah. Right? Like, this is 1997. He's written all of the greatest songs 400 of all songs time. to this point, yeah. Yeah, and he never had put those words together. And... Is there anything more frightening than that? A cloud of blood? A cloud what is, of blood. What yeah. would that look like? I yeah, mean... Pretty gross. <laughs> he, yeah, it's just a, more of his brilliance. <laughs> so, and, and, and you know, with a lot of Dylan songs, especially in the later period, uh, the, the Jack Frost period, as it's kind of come to known, there's a lot of implied violence in Dylan songs. Uh, the narrator seems to imply that he is ready to commit violence or has committed violence, um, or is at least thinking about it, and a lot of it violence towards towards women, um, and that's you know maybe how how people feel about that could be a subject of an episode all by itself. But to me, um, there is a lot of implied violence here. Now, in a lot of the other songs, it's it's not so much. It's a lot of sad sack kind of stuff. You know, it's really a guy who's just desolate. But here, to me, there's this this. Feeling, I mean, first of all, he talks about you know beauty, uh, the, such a such a sad thing when beauty decays, which is a nasty thing to say to somebody. Uh, you know that you're not as good looking as as you used to oh. be. Um, but then when he when he goes on, and he says, you know, I found my world, found my world in you, but your love just hasn't proved true. I'm 20 miles out of town, cold and cold Irish bound. I mean, your love hasn't proved true. That's a very kind of like. Um, uh, like declarative kind of statement, like accusatory. That's a better yeah. word. Like it's yeah. accu- your love hasn't proved true, you yeah. know? And you're like, well, that's okay. And then when he moves on to, Oh, the winds in Chicago have torn me to shreds. Reality has always too has had too many heads. Some things last longer than you think they will. There are some kind of things that you can never kill. Now, when you talk about something having too many heads, that conjures up a, you know, like a hydra. And what do you yeah. do with a hydra? You cut a head off. Right. You cut one of the hydra. And so we talk about there are some kind of things you can never kill. So to me, it's like this is a guy who has committed violence on somebody, but the pain of the relationship is just grown another head. And it's he's still bothered by it, even though he might have literally killed the object of his ire here. Okay. A lot to unpack. Um, <laughs> what is... I mean, what's happening here is, is this a chain gang story or is this a love lost story or is it both? I mean, what do you, what is the, what's the subject of this story? Do you think? I, I think it's a guy. I, okay. If I, if I want to extend it out, I think it's a guy who has maybe not killed his lover, but he's thinking about it and he's done some bad things to her. And he is now on a chain gang ruminating about this woman he's talking to her in his head he's accusing her of things your love didn't prove true um and it could be you know again the kind of thing we talk about your your friends 
I thought some of them were friends of mine. I was wrong about them all. Well, you know, you might lose your friends if you uh, kill your wife or kill your girlfriend. You know what I mean? You might go to prison and your friends are like, "Um, we're kind of done. You you know, you could be like, well, geez, I thought they were my friends. Well, you kind of did a bad thing, buddy. Uh, And the clouds of blood. I mean, again, you're working blood into it. Where does blood come from? Well, you know, an act of violence. So that in my head, that is what is going on in this song. Okay. I think, I think, a part of me, and kind of in the way I, uh, I, uh, I, I think of uh, Superman is, I think a part of me is a little naive. I think when I'm unpacking Dylan songs, like that's very dark. That's a very mm-hmm. dark thing, and it's a great interpretation. Like I, I hadn't thought of it like that, and I don't think I can see it a different way. I just thought of this guy looking inward and like you said sad sack like just sort of beating himself up for life and it hadn't occurred to me the the extent of the violence that he may have perpetrated against his his woman i mean it's just that that's yeah i think i was just naive about that (laughs) i i you know i from a a, a musical experience just to put the lyrics aside for a while it's a song that there's something about it that pops in a way that's different like you know i said i was you said i was you know i told you i was in a bluesy mood and the other songs that i suggested for tonight were straight blues uh songs um i don't know why i put this in that category it just it's not a blues song but um, even if I'm looking, right, like, it doesn't repeat phrases or anything. Yeah, it's not in it's it's not a twelve bar blues or any, but um, but it's really only three oh, four. No, it's it's actually quite complex. I'm looking at the chords right now, um, and but I think the tone is is blues, like you said, like those chain gang songs. Those are blues songs mostly. Um, and then the experience of listening to it is it's a good rock song and that's proven oh, yeah. when he redoes it in love in, um, Mastin Mastin anonymous. anonymous. Yep. And that's a great version. And that yep. version was released as the live 2000 version. He did it at Bonnaroo and killed, um, uh, in 2004, which was a really famous performance of his. Um, I saw him in 2010 uh, as you know, my <laughs> I've seen him 25 times. Um, in 2010, I saw him on Halloween a- in Chicago at the Aragon Ballroom. And he did a number of insane things that night. Um, one of which was, he said, I think I told you about this on our live episode. He went, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Waits. And everyone lost their mind. And then <laughs> Stu Kimball just went up to the mic and did a Tom Waits impression for a couple bars. And it was amazing. It was hilarious. Um, but it was like that. just incredible. It was, it was just like, what is Bob Dylan doing right now? Also that night, he played Cold Irons Bound. And it's a very un-Bob thing to do to in Chicago do the the pop, you know, for Chicago. Because when he went, in the winds in Chicago, turn me to shreds. The place <laughs> went bananas. Like, I lost my goddamn mind that Bob Dylan said, did the thing where he said Chicago in the city that he's in. You know, it's like that in The Simpsons when uh, Aerosmith is like, hello, St. Louis. And he's like, oh, sir, it's Springfield. Springfield, <laughs> you know, in Flaming Mose. Like, he actually did that thing. Bob Dylan doesn't do that. He doesn't talk to the audience. Nope. And nope. 
And this wasn't, this isn't a regular rotation. This is a special treat song. I only saw it once in the 25 times I've seen him. So there's just a lot of, and it rocks. I mean, everyone oh, yeah. is like stomping their feet and there was this heaviness and he did a harmonica solo in it, in the middle oh, of it, wow. which, he, oh. which he doesn't do on the record. I mean, this one he worked up and, and he's pretty much stuck to the same, the, the, the same arrangement, but it, it just, you know, it blew everyone's mind. And so I think like for me, I'm so, I get so wrapped up in how this is just a good rockin' song that I sometimes don't spend the time unpacking the lyrics. They're just, they've seeped into me. I know the song by heart, but I, I don't think I've thought about them in the way that you have in terms of like a story being told. Right. And like I said, it's, it's, it's all up to how I say this about every song. It's what you take from it. That's what it's about. That's what it's. And you know, there are other Dylan songs that are about different things than they were when I first heard them, you know, as I, as they go with you, as you age and I go, Oh, well, this song is about this. Now it wasn't about that when I first heard it because I didn't have that experience. Well, now I do. Um, it, it, it's nice that it pops on time out of mind because it's up tempo. There aren't yeah. that many up-tempo songs. And in fact, Dylan gave, you know, kind of a rare interview where he talked about his previous records, which he doesn't, again, doesn't do very much, where he said part of the reason that he produced his own records going forward is because he didn't like that the way, I mean, again, it's sort of like he's like, you know, he obviously loves Daniel Lenoir because they're still friends to this day. He's also kind of knocking him too because he said he didn't like the time out of mind he felt sounded too swampy. Like it didn't have enough up tempo numbers, and wow. he, didn't, well, he didn't like the he he wanted more variation, and right. so yeah, a lot of the time out of mind songs are slower, and then so all of a sudden now again there's still a lot of you know dirt road blues is up tempo and stuff like that, but uh but yeah this really after the the slow stately not dark yet this thing really goes it just kicks yeah. in and it really propels you forward. Um, you can dance to it at a concert. I, like I'll take your word for it. I'm like, like I'm not saying I'm, I'm a dance. I can dance and everything, but like what I'm saying is like it's one you can get up out of your seat and yes. move to. Yeah, it's um, got that. It's got that. You know, again, I yeah. keep doing that sound, but it's got that that kick to it. Um, and when he goes on with the lyrics, he says, "It's it's you and you only." I've been thinking about, but you can't see in, and it's hard looking out. I'm 20 miles out of town and cold irons bound. And then the penultimate verse, which is my favorite verse in this song. Uh, well, the fat's in the fire and the water's in the tank, the whiskey's in the jar and the money's in the bank. Bravo. I, try to love, I try to love and protect you because I cared. I'm going to remember forever the joy we shared, which is like I a mean, discordant line in that song. It's actually kind of a happy line. I'm going to remember it forever the joy we've shared. Uh, I almost feel like that's meant to be tongue in cheek. Yeah, blisteringly yeah, ironic. He's, you know, he's like, it's like the yeah, joy we shared. The joy we shared, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. you miserable, you know, whatever. <laughs> but those opening two lines, the fat's in the fire and the water's in the tank, the whiskey's in the jar and the money's in the bank. First of all, it's just fun to say. Yeah. The cadence of the words, yeah. fat's in the fire, water's in the tank, whiskey's in the jar, money's in the bank. But it, I love the idea of everything. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. I'm doing everything right. The fat's in the fire. The water's in the tank, the whiskey's in the jar, and the money's in the- I'm doing everything the way I'm supposed to do it, and everything is still fucked. <laughs> that's what that is. That's, yeah. it's, this is this guy at the height of his frustration because he's like, I've set everything up the way it's supposed to be set up. We've got money in the bank. We've got whiskey. The water is in the tank. So we, you know, again, an old-timey idea, the water's in the tank. 
which is something old timey people have to deal with, not uh-huh. modern plumbing. But you've got there's water. We've got water. I've I've got cooking fat. We've got everything we need. Why can't you just love me? And that to me, that's what that line is. That every time we get to that part of the song, I just smile because it's so. I feel like that's my life in so many respects. Where I'm like every I've said everything up correctly, and some still not right. Damn yeah. it. Yeah, I thought the fats on the fire was a biblical reference. Oh, okay, interesting. Because the 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 priests in the in the tabernacle and in the and then in the um. And in the temple would burn the fats of the of the limbs of the the animals that they would sacrifice. So that's what I thought. Oh, wow. Okay. So I, it, you know, again, Dylan would have knowledge of all things. So he would know that reference, and he would know, you know, some sort of old timey thing about burning fat when you're cooking a steak or so. I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, he would every and everything in between. I mean, of course, he knows the term "waters in the tank." That might have been an issue in Hibbing when he was. You know, three. Yeah, he's old enough to remember that kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and this is, it, it, it's sort of a, it's like a perfect four lines of, if you wanted to teach an, a, 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 a class about, you know, great examples of Dylan's writing, this is, this is like that. Like you said, it's fun to say, like Subterranean Homesick Blues or Positively Fourth Street. It's just like, like Rolling Stone. It, it rolls off your tongue. It's, yep. Yep. it's a rat a tat. Um, good rap, you know. Um, and again, I think my naivete, I didn't think of, I'm going to remember forever the joy we shared as, as sarcastic. Although, you know, it's very interesting, what, you know, listening to you say that, that Dylan songs mean different things at different times. Um, I think now I'm in a moment right now in this podcast where that's happening for this song. Hmm. <laughs> that's the, again, it's the beauty of it is that it, it's, it just, it keeps changing right. with you and it evolves, which is amazing because of course the song, at least as it exists in some form is a static object. Uh, now, of course, Dylan would transform it. And you've talked about the masked and anonymous version. Again, it's amazing how he can, he can replicate kind of the heart of the song without having to do all the Daniel and stuff. Cause of course he's yeah. not doing that on stage. Uh, and by the way, I love the video of him from Mason oh, Anonymous awesome. because the camera's right in his face. Really and the tight. band is there. And yeah, I mean, boom, you've boom, got boom, boom, boom. Larry Campbell, Charlie yeah. Sexton, Tony Garnier, George Rosselli, all yeah. there in one frame, yeah. just tight on there. And he's just moving into that mic yeah. back and forth yeah. and wearing that cowboy hat. I mean, that is like, that's my favorite Dylan, that Dylan, that guy right there, the the cowboy blues rocker with that band that's the best band to me is the Garnier Rosselli Campbell Sexton uh with 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 Dylan um yeah I I love that version so so much I mean that sort of makes the movie worth it the musical performances in that movie make it makes it it makes watching that train wreck (laughs) worth it (laughs) worth it in a way I mean I love that movie because it's it's a Dylan thing and I love all things Dylan but I wanted to just say one other thing about um, Daniel Lynn walks. I was really interesting. I, I didn't know that he, he didn't, that Bob wasn't pleased with this album. Like to me, that's insane. I, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it correctly. It wasn't that he was not pleased with it, but he just didn't like the pacing yeah. and, and wanted to do something more A, B, A, B, A, B. And if you listen to love and theft, right. it really is slow right. song, fast song, slow song, fast right. song. And you, so that's not what time out of mind is. So I think he was, 
And by the way, I love that Lanois hated this song. Lanois, what? In fact, yes, it, it mentions that in the uh, in the Kemper story. Is that? Oh yeah, Lanois didn't like it, and he's like, "The world doesn't need another two note Bob Dylan song." And apparently, got so mad about this song that he smashed a guitar. Which is like a little like it seems like a little bit like a dick move. Like what, what are you getting so mad about? I hope it was one of his guitars, not yeah, one of Bob's. Right, yeah, not one of Bob's. Yeah, but apparently Lanois was just not a fan of this song. What? Yeah. Yep. It's the most Lenoir esque song on the album, with the exception of "Not Dark Yet" and "Lovesick." I, I mean, talk about murky. I mean, I guess it's not as swampy as the stuff on "Oh Mercy," right? Like "Oh Mercy" feels like it's it was recorded outside in a swamp. Mm-hmm. but here you're getting more of like a, a studio feel, but like, it's like he created that, that, stu- that swab in the studio. And, you know, Dylan talks about that, about Oh Mercy in, in Chronicles a little bit, but here, I mean, I don't see Cold Irons Bound as an outlier from the rest of the album. That's so interesting that, yeah. uh, that Dylan and Dylan, by the way, was super smart for becoming his own producer. He knew the sound that he wants. And at that stage in the game, good. You should be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, I'm like, what What? What other producer is going to do something for Bob Dylan at this point? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what? He's, the man has produced 40 records, mostly by, you know, in some ways by himself uh, to right. one degree or the next. Uh, what, what, what was there left to do? Really? Now, I mean, right. Bob loves to collaborate, obviously. That's part of the reason I think they talk about people have said, oh, you know, why won't he go on an acoustic tour? And I think because he doesn't yeah, want yeah. to. I, he doesn't want to. And that one. Want, yeah. He wants to be on the stage with the guys. With that's the guys. What, yeah. That's he wants to play cards on the bus. Yes. And yeah. Tony Garnier he, recently did talk about that. That Like they just they play cards on the bus. That's oh, what can, they you do. can you imagine? I, I wonder if Bob I would die. player. Oh, I, I would, I just, I didn't, I wouldn't want to participate. I would just want to watch. And what if he's terrible? Can you win, <laughs> too, can you win too many hands against Bob, you know, before things get a little awkward? Like, are they playing for money? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. You know, what are they, what are they playing he, for? He just got a fresh check for $450 yeah. million. Dollars. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, Bob, you, you got money. You can, you can spot us a couple of bucks. I, um, I do want to say just one more thing on that note is that I loved and I, I we geeked out of this about this on Twitter with Laura from definitely Dylan about how Tony Garnier said in that interview that it's when, when, not, yep. Yeah. Not, like not so if, we, when I, I have a fantasy Rob of when Dylan goes back on tour is that if it works out and it's on a weekend or something, I'll fly out to New Jersey or Philly <laughs> or wherever it is. And we'll go to a show together. That's, that's my <laughs> That's my fantasy. That would be my would be marvelous. That would be great. I would, you know, I'm well. We're going to talk about Bob in live concerts shortly uh, at the end of this episode. But one right. one last thing I want to get to in terms of this song. The song ranks up with uh, "Looking at You" and "I'm on My Bended Knee." You have no idea what you do to me. I'm 20 miles out of town and cold, cold irons bound. I love the way he spits that line. At, you have no idea what you do to me. Yeah. Uh, he's so mad. He's yeah. so, and again, is he proposing right there? See that again, as the story is building in my head, he proposed to this woman, she turns him down and he kills her. That's what that's. And now he's on the chain gang and he's still haunted by this woman and he's still arguing with her, even though she's dead. That's the song I hear in my head. I want to draw a graphic novel to this, to this. There song. you go. Right. Exactly. 
Uh, I mean, and a lot of this too, a lot of the, the songs in time and in mind are dealing with somebody obviously in a, in a bad headspace, mentally dislocated, but also in a lot of ways, physically dislocated because he talks about being in church in the beginning of the song. And he says, as sheep, by the way, sheep is, but he's always changing the tenses, but Bob loves to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but, he's in, but he's in church and she passes by. Well, also in Till I Fell in Love with You, he talks about clouds passing by. So things are always passing by the narrator in yeah. these songs. And so this is a, this is a narrator stuck somewhere and the world is revolving around him and he's not able to kind of get involved with it right. because he's stuck doing this doing this other thing. And I find that interesting that there's these phrases that kind of populate the record as it goes through all these different songs of, you know, being dislocated. Of course, Highlands is the ultimate like dislocation song. But I mean, I I love, I love that kind of thing. Now regarding Lenoir, not liking the song, I have to wonder what Lenoir thought when Bob won a Grammy for this song for best male rock vocal. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that's the great story uh, of of this of this album you, you, you know the, the the it is it's the most triumphant quote unquote comeback but not just from for music but for life you can only write this that bob dylan comes back from a near death experience <laughs> and relative obscurity as is to paraphrase the little intro they used to do in the mid 2000s yeah yeah <laughs> um to have the greatest album of his career, one of the greatest albums of his career that was recognized as every, I mean, it's insane when you think like, why wasn't every Bob Dylan album a Grammy winner and every right. Beatles album, like he, that, that kind yeah. of stuff, you know, and he performed at the Grammys with eye makeup and, you know, everything. Yeah. I mean, he just, it, it, it was, it's, it, it's, it's, and, and so I, I love that this song specifically because it is might it might be his best vocal. I mean, you could argue Love Sick or Not Dark Yet because of the the types of songs those are, you know, Not Dark Yet being pretty much just piano and bass, like him at a piano with Tony behind him. And uh but Cold Aaron's Bound, there's something about his voice there that is the best rock vocal. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, I, God, I'll never look at Daniel Lenoir the same way again. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's one I mean, of my favorite Dylan songs. On my, I have a top fifty list um, of Dil- favorite Dylan songs. It hasn't been updated since two thousand nine. I think oh, like wow, together okay. through. I think together through life was the last update I did, so okay. I have to redo it. But sure. And I think this was like number twenty three on the list for me. This song. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this was pretty much universally beloved it made a lot of lists as you know one of the great dylan songs of all time and one of the great like of the last you know of the 21st century one of the great dylan songs we all know time out of mind won the grammy for for album of the year um it's been covered a bunch of times one of the more famous ones is by tom verlaine from television uh he covers it on the i'm not there soundtrack um you can find that on youtube and and it's a very very it's beyond spare it's almost just an acapella you know of him just talking Uh. Uh, uh, the lyrics and it doesn't have that propulsion to it, but it's an interesting take on it. Uh, certainly. Um, now, of course, in concert, this has been performed 423 times, which of course means one of them was with you yeah. uh, when you saw him do it. Um, he started doing it in 1997. He has not done it since 2011. Yeah. So uh, an entire decade has passed since he has chosen to do this, which is a shame because as you mentioned with Mastin Anonymous, it really rocks in concert. I mean, he's, he manages to keep that 
with that sting with the dung, you know, I, again, I'm sorry. I keep doing that sound effect, everybody, but he manages with the guitar sting to replicate the propulsive nature of the song while not having all of the extra doodads that yeah. Lenoir brought to it. And so it works really great in concert, but uh, you know, no, nothing for 10 years. I, I mean, so I'm just trying to think like, I think, so I said it's, it was, a, it was a rarity. It was a special 423 seems like a lot, but I bet he played it a lot in 97, 98, 99, yeah. 2000. Yeah. And then not a lot since then. Cause I saw it in 2010 and it was definitely like, he had played that a long time. Um, it was probably a staple when he was playing things from, to support that album on those, yep. uh, those tour. I saw him for the first time on the love and theft tour. So, you know, it was probably out of, out of the rotation by then. Um, but I don't know, like where does 423 rank with some of his over, like he's played like, you know, like Rolling Stone and Blown in the Wind thousands of times. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I you mean, can see, you can see all that on BobDillon.com. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot when you realize that it's in a, it's in a much shorter window uh, right. 97 to 2011 is only a 14 year, only 14 years <laughs> is only 14 years in the Dylan career. Uh, as opposed to, like you said, all along the watchtower, which he's had 50 years. Right. Sing. So it's, it's not, it's a lot for that window, but yeah, I mean, in the, in it was the, a hit. I mean, it was a hit. Know, it was a, I mean, granny, people you know. get mad at it, you know, you know, shut up and play the hits here. He actually did it. Yeah. It was so. a hit. What do you want from me? Um, so, but yeah, it said it, it's a really, it's a terrific song and it just, it, it moves really well, even though, and again, it's, it's, it's fun to sing along to, even though it is again, incredibly dark and sort of miserable on this guy. But uh, it's again, it, I really do think the vocal performance of Bob is, is great. And all the musicians are just completely cooking and, you know, all credit to David Kemper, for her just coming in and noodling around and then inspires Bob to jot this song down and bang, you know, you've got this whole, you know, this sort of, you know, I mean, the way that, the way that it's structured on the album, it really kind of anchors the record in a way because not dark yet. I mean, that's a masterpiece. We all know that, but it's, it's this slow stately thing and then bang, we get this really hard driving thing. And then the album kind of quiets down again a little with make you feel my love and, um, can't, can't wait, which is its own slight thing. And then Highlands, which is his own, you know, crazy journey. I've but this is really the Neil Young. Yeah. <laughs> this is really kind of the last rocker yeah. on the record. And it just, yeah. it's a, it's perfectly placed to kind of give it that kind of jolt of energy a little bit. So I said, it's just a terrific song. I was just looking at the um, additional mu- musicians on Time Out of Mind. He had a just a incredible, yeah, Bucky Baxter, Brian Blade, Robin Ritt, Cindy Cashdollar, Jim Dickinson, Tony Garnier, Jim Keltner, David Kempner, Daniel Lenoir, Augie Myers, Duke Rebilliard. I mean, he who I think recently rejoined the band, uh, and Winston Watson, who uh, did um, drums for him. He, he can be seen on Unplugged in New York. Um, yep. Bucky Baxter died recently. Uh, yes, he did. Years ago, I, I I know his son uh, a little bit, but um, oh wow, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, just a uh, the band is great. I, I you know I don't know who exactly was on that one, but I assume I assume uh, Kempner Kemper was. Oh uh, yeah, you have to. Well, he even <laughs> talks about that that he thought that uh, because uh, uh, Lenoir hated the song so much, he thought, well, he's like, I'm not going to make it on the record now because like he thought uh, Lenoir would kind of like you know, take it out on him. Cause he was, you know, it was almost like going behind his back to, 
do something to Bob, which is sort of, again, I don't know the, understand the relationships. Can you, there. I mean, I, I just, I can't imagine the sheer fucking hubris of telling Bob Dylan, you don't like a song on his <laughs> album. It, it, I mean, talk, I mean, we're talking about, the, I mean, that literally happened with infidels, right? That's why infidels isn't I'm drawing a blank. Uh, what's his name's uh, Mark Knopfler. Thank you. Mark Knopfler's infidels. It's a different one because Bob yeah. just didn't like it, but it's not like he had a say in the matter. Like what a, that's just obnoxious. Like if Bob wants the song and then you say, great job, boss. You well, know? <laughs> I mean, but I guess, but that, I mean, you know, Dylan did come to Lanois and I could see Lanois saying, well, you're coming to me for my input. I'm not going to be a wallflower to no pun intended and just tell, tell you everything <laughs> you want to hear. I mean, Bob Johnson used to said he would admit it like to him recording Bob Dylan is hitting the record record button. Yeah. That's, you know, but maybe Bob doesn't want that anymore. Now, clearly he maybe kind of does now because he's letting Jack Frost do it all. He's not, right. he's not bothering with somebody, uh, somebody's opinion on the other side of the glass and telling him, but yeah, it does seem a little, when I, when I read that Lanois smashed a guitar about it, I'm like, really? Like are you that mad about it? Like, they, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's you had a temper tantrum because Bob effing Dylan wanted his own song to be on his album that you're producing. That seems a bit extreme. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's, it's a little baffling, but again, it's, it's, it's a terrific song. And again, I think it's, I'm trying to imagine like, can you picture the album without this song on there and like going from not dark yet to make you feel my love? I mean, yeah, I could hear that, but it just, to me, it's, it's, the the album has peaks and valleys in terms of the 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 feel of it, not necessarily the quality, right? But the feel of it, and this is just kind of like this great punch near the end. And I'm just trying to think, well, what would it sound like without that punch in it? You well, just go from not dark yet to this to the make you feel my love, which is my least favorite song on the record. And it's like, no, it needs that it needs that anger, you know, that 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 real energy to it. I remember we talked about that on Dylan Live because I got to hear it. We, I think he played Make You Feel My Love on that tour. And we talk, and you were like, oh, that's my least favorite. I was like mortified. Um, <laughs> you know, about the punch, Dylan utilized the punch for the opening of, his, of all of his Jack Frost albums with the exception of the most recent one, where, which, which, the, 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 which Rough and Ready Ways opens with a soft song. Right. I can't, but you know, love and theft, um, definitely modern times, um, together through life, yeah. and together through life. Those are all great openers. Oh man. Thunder openers. on the mountain. Thunder uh, on the mountain is, yeah. Mm, I mean, that's just, yeah. I mean, that's the best. I mean, you know, you can picture the video with all the things happening, you know, anyway, um, so, but love and that, but love secure works perfectly as an opener. But you think, I think, you know, maybe Bob wanted something else at this period in his life and he needed, he was comfortable. This was his comeback. So he's comfortable with Lenoir from Oh Mercy. Um, I don't know how that album did in record, record sales, but it's, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Um, oh, it did very well. It did very well. Yeah. I mean, it has some great, you know, it has Shooting Star on it, of course, which was a hit. Um, that was sort of his, his comeback back in 89, you know, touring with the dead and doing Oh Mercy, touring with Tom Petty. But, but I mean, here, this was a big comeback. He was comfortable with Lenoir. Maybe he needed this album to realize I have my own, I am cultivating my own, you know, um, 
elder statesman persona, career, and sound now, and maybe I can do it myself. And maybe he sort of needed this Lenoir to get him get him there. Maybe so. I mean, he has talked about Lenoir has talked about that Bob has played him songs since then to get his opinion, which is very interesting. Now, of course, he's not producing any of the records, but Bob has since gone on to say, hey, I wrote this, or or do you want to listen to this? And so he's still consulting Lanois, still getting his opinion, obviously not to the point where he feels like he wants to work with him anymore, but he's still still going after He's still asking, uh, you know, Daniel Lanois what he thinks, which is uh, amazing. You know, I mean, again, what a, what a imagine going through life and having Bob Dylan, you know, like on your on your phone, you know, calling you, hey, hey, Daniel, you want to yeah. hear? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I would love to hear whatever song you're working on. Yeah, Bob, Bob, I'm not, Bob, I'm in line to see Black Widow, but if you could, also, <laughs> how, how long is the song, Bob? I can listen to it. You know, imagine that that's part of your life. Sorry. I'm in the middle of producing another record. I'll tell them to hold on. So yes, yeah. I could hear. Hold that. on. Bob Dylan's on the line. Hold on everybody. So, okay. Well, they said that that's cold irons bound. It's, it's a terrific song of a, of a third yeah. book album. So, before we wrap up here, I have a couple things I got to ask you. Uh, I've been asking uh, everybody this uh, for the last couple of episodes. And this is a question is, of course, we know, as you mentioned, Tony Garnier said, when, not if, we're going back on tour. So if Bob Dylan came to you, Henry, and said, what song do you want to hear me open your concert with? Bob, we're playing in Chicago, okay? Uh, and I'm going to do Cold Irons Band. I'm going to mention Chicago. Everybody's going to go nuts. But opener what do you want to hear whatever you want henry i'm gonna do it what do you want to what song okay we're at since this is a podcast or radio show i can't be quiet for too long i was sitting here like really thinking (laughs) um you know i i I probably should go with my instincts and i would say thunder on the mountain i've heard it a ton of times okay but some of my favorite memories of seeing him was that curtain coming up at the um at the set break, you know, when he came back from, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in like 2006, when he'd come back from the fake encore and the curtain <laughs> would come up and the, the Dylan magic eye would show up and started with that chord. And then that noodling from thunder on the mountain. And to me, I always thought that would just be a great concert opener. Um, so I think, and I miss that song. I haven't heard it live in a long time. Mm. So, Oh, that's not true. He played it on the last tour, but he had changed the, he changed the, um, the uh, arrangement, but I want like the kind that's on modern times. I think that okay. would be my, my thunder. Cause that would just get me going like, Oh my God, we're back. Right. Okay. Like, um, yeah. What about you? Well, I said, I haven't really, I'm Hey, I'm answering, I'm asking the questions here. Andrew. I don't have to answer <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I would love to hear part of me would be like, I want to hear him like open with goodbye, Jimmy Reed or something, just something that just is like, ba-boom, you know, yeah. just absolutely just tears the roof off the dump because there's going to be so much pent-up energy. Yeah. Because nobody's seen him for a year. It's the right. longest break he's taken in touring in 30 years, practically. Um, and I mean, so- remember how much of a smash early Roman Kings was live on that mm-hmm. last tour? That would be great. Like, yes, yeah, so one of those big blues rockers to open it up. Yeah. Like, exactly. I, I would love, yeah, or um, uh, Beyond Here Lies Nothing. Oh, right, right. Of course. That's a yeah. great, that's a great opener too. He did that a bunch on tour. Like that's a, uh, any of Jolene, right? Like any of those big, um, just like Tom Thumbs blues, you know, I don't know. I, I, I feel like for him to see him live when he returns, I want to see 
uh, no pun intended, modern times, Bob Dylan. Like I want to see as an opener, uh, uh, something from the last 25 years, okay. <laughs> which, which seems modern, but you know, something from the Jack Frost era as an opener. For All sure. right, fair enough. Fair enough. Again, so we're gonna it? do it. I'm gonna. It's gonna be like he's gonna have a show in Philly on a Saturday night, and I'm gonna fly out to 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 Jersey or wherever. Okay, and, and we're right. gonna go. And this we'll, has we'll been call recorded. Laura from Definitely Dylan, and uh, we'll meet up with her. I don't know where she's actually located, but I know okay. you, all, you you did meet her at a Dylan show. She she's got a much further flight, having to come all the way from from England. But, but yeah. we'll we'll put this together. So can I, okay. wait, can I gush about Dylan Twitter for a second? Because it's been a while. Sure, go we, ahead. I I I love that. Um, there's chatter on Dylan Twitter of, and uh, you know, I kind of stoked the fire a bit, but like to do a little watch party for July 18th. Uh, you know, or or at least some sort of post show watch party. I think. Well, that that leads into the last thing I wanted to ask you about. Oh, of please. course, and this is the first episode we're recording since the news broke that Bob is doing this sort of weird live. I'm putting in air quotes event on July 18th. This Shadow Kingdom thing, and no one exactly seems to know what it is. Um, apparently, word has gotten out that this is pre recorded. It is not. Oh, he already a live event. But we're all going to get to see, which is unusual. You would think if it's pre-recorded, um, why put it out at five o'clock? You know what I mean? Like, why don't just release it? But you know, Bob moves in mysterious ways. So this is fascinating. Uh, what Bob's going to be doing, and it's like, does this mean we're going to be hearing rough and rowdy way songs? Seems seems almost guaranteed that we will. Um, but but boy, what you know, enigmatic at every turn. Yeah, and when he comes back, this. it's this virtual event on a Sunday afternoon at four o'clock. Uh, you know, like what? <laughs> like what? Yeah. So I mean, I've got he's my. Got to get to the early bird special for dinner. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. I, mean, I don't know what. You know, he's. Oh, I really want to watch uh, John Oliver. Right. You know, I mean, whatever it is. Um, but I mean, what? Just quick. What are your sure. thoughts on this? What? The, what? What are you hoping it might be? What do you think it might be? I mean, it's very interesting that he's giving it its own name. Shadow King, which is Shadow yeah. Kingdom. I mean, good Lord. Um, but like, I remember, um, former guest of the show, Matt Steichen, you know, put the, put the idea in my head. Thanks. Thanks, Matt. That this is like an album that th- there's the next album is going to be called Shadow Kingdom. And this is Bob's going to be introducing the songs via live, which is like, I know that's not going to be what it is, but now that Matt has said it, I can't get it out of my head. So right. I know like good. it's a, you could see like when he announced it, I was like shadow kingdom. Like it, I just thought uh, you'd think that was already the name of a Bob Dylan album that came out in the last 20 years. Exactly. Like, it's the perfect title for that. Yeah. Daniel um, was shadow king. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, what I think it's going to be and what I want it to be. I want it to be whatever Bob wants it to be. Obviously of course. Um, I- I'll love it. I think it's going to be one of two things. Um, I think it's either going to be a performance. I think it's going to be, I think it's either going to be a performance in a studio of um, rough and rowdy ways, or I think it's going to be a concert in a theater, like where he go. you know, he rehearses and like, you know, uh, Long Island, New York and theaters and places like that and upstate New York. Like, I think it's going to be something like that in a theater, no audience. Um, playing his stuff like whatever his set is that that is his you know that is he deems to be the the, you know how he does whatever he wants when he wants so there could be a little bit of classic songs reworked plus debuting rough and rowdy ways stuff 
and stuff from his last, you know, his catalog for the last 20 years. So that's what I think it's going to be. One of those two things, either like a presentation of rough and rowdy ways in some way, or um, a, just a classic Dylan concert. It'll be 90 minutes or something or an hour. Right. So I don't know. It definitely suggests to me there's some level of theatricality to it yeah, just by giving it its own name. Yeah. You know, it's not Bob Dylan live or Bob Dylan in concert or Bob Dylan in performance. Right. It's Shadow Kingdom. That really yeah. seems to suggest there's some sort of narrative almost happening here. Now, maybe I'm overthinking it, but it, to me, it, rec- it recalls something of like the Rolling Thunder Review mm. where there's there's some sort of – ebb and flow to it outside of it just being a concert but yeah i'm fascinated some uh, sort of artistic by presentation by something Bob. like that like a multimedia thing almost yeah. you know what i yeah. mean something like that but again we'll all find out uh in a couple of weeks but again the guy guy keeps you guessing he yeah keeps he you really guessing. does he doesn't I mean, just we all thought the next announcement would be the tour Fall, you know, fall, winter, yeah. whenever he's comfortable and we're all vaxxed and ready, you know. I've, I've, I have concert tickets for another show at this point. I, I'm buying concert tickets now. Oh, yeah. I have, I have tickets to a live event. I'm going to a WWE show on August 2nd. I'm like, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, that's that's my, my next big thing. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm ready for concerts. I'm, you know, I'm disappointed Fish isn't coming to Chicago. And um, no one I've, I need to see is, has announced anything yet here, like, I would have had I lived in New York, I would have gone to the Foo Fighters at the Garden for sure, because mm-hmm. um, I love them so much. Um, actually, saw them open for Bob. Ah, <laughs> so, amazing! Yeah, they were doing an, an acoustic tour, and they and they opened for Bob on the tour. I saw them in Minnesota; it was incredible. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it's going to be, Rob, but um, I I I I don't think there's any way I could be disappointed. You know, everyone that goes to see Bob live—not everyone—there is a certain type of person that goes to see Bob live, not knowing what to expect and is disappointed. So I imagine right. there will be, you know, some boomers, you know, tuning in that don't know what it is and be disappointed because maybe it's going to be him and Jimmy Fallon taking shots of his whiskey <clears throat> for two hours. I don't know, but it, him it's, making metal sculptures or something. Yeah. <laughs> him painting. I mean, yep. maybe it's music videos of, his songs, like classic music videos. Oh, like a beyond, like that Beyonce thing, where she did a video for every uh, Lemonade. Song. Yeah, 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 Lemonade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, like he did because he's done stuff like that recently. Like, like Beyond Here Lies Nothing. Right. That's an awesome. Yeah, there's an he, awesome music. He's still video making videos. Him. One of the few guys still making videos. So, yeah. And they're all artistic and interesting and good. Yeah. And he's kind of fun as an actor. <laughs> So he's great when he doesn't have to deliver lines. Yeah. <laughs> Vide- videos are perfect for him because you see him yeah. on camera and he's captivating and he's got total movie star charisma, but just don't make him recite scripted <laughs> lines. That, that's the, yeah. The problem. I, uh, yeah. Maybe he'll drive a Cadillac Escalade and <laughs> whatever. I I, it's it's going to be great, whatever it is. I'm, I'm excited for it. I imagine you're going to do an episode about it, but you don't have to, I mean, you don't have to uh, reveal that yet. <laughs> I'm I'm rolling my eyes here uh, quietly. So maybe so. Maybe maybe that will be happening. What's more likely, a Shadow Kingdom Pod Dylan or a Superman 4 movie minute? Shadow Kingdom Pod Dylan. <laughs> okay. So I would say Shadow Kingdom being an album is more likely to happen than doing Superman 4 movie minute, but that's that's a whole other thing, Henry. 
is it is it is it too meta to talk about other fire and water things that you host we are kind of incepting ourselves a little bit yeah so anyway uh henry i mean wow thank you so much for coming back you know i always enjoy talking to you and as i mentioned on the other show uh you are breaking all sorts of fire and water podcast history and that you are the guest on two different shows both dropping the same day you're Hello the guest out on, there. Hello out there. You're the Hello guest on Treasury Cast, and you're the guest on Pod Dylan. Both episodes dropping today. So thank you for sitting with me through this marathon recording session. I really do appreciate you. Know I always enjoy talking to you. So thank you once again for coming back on Pod Dylan. It was an honor and a privilege. I love talking Dylan with you and anything talking anything with you. This is great. This is the best kind of marathon. Absolutely. So, well, thank you very much. And so why don't you tell people where they can find you out on the internet? Sure. Um, as I've mentioned on other times I've been on fire and water and thank you again. And, um, you can find me at Jewish comics pod, uh, on Twitter. I host a podcast called funny. They don't look Jewish where we explore and really search for explicitly Jewish content in superhero comics. And if that's something that interests you, it's a very niche thing, but maybe you'll check us out. And if you have checked us out via Rob having me on, thank you so much. That's so kind of you. I also host a podcast called Superman and Lois and Pals, which is um, analyzing uh, each episode of the new Superman and Lois CW TV show. Um, my co-host and I, uh, my co-host, literally lives in Kansas, like in, in Smallville. And he, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he's a prof- he's a college professor and I'm a hyperbolic super hyperbolic super fan. So we kind of have that dynamic. And, um, hmm. so if you want to check either of those out, you can find the Superman and Lois and pals on Twitter at Superman pals pod. All right. You heard the, uh, you heard the man, everybody go check those shows out. So of course, for this show, uh, you can find all our back episodes on our website, findwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on any uh, podcast catcher of your choice. And finally, if you want to support the Fire and Water Podcast Network, go to patreon.com slash FW podcast. And there you can unlock various rewards, one of which is to be name checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, Max Hutzel, Sebastian Krug, George Doherty, and Joaquin Meckel for their support of Pod Dylan. I very much appreciate it. So that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. And the album of the year is... Time Out of Mind, Pod Dylan. (laughs)